0: It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. Scorched Earth A definition from militaryhistory.com. Scorched earth is a military strategy where all of the assets that are used or can be used by the, quote, enemy are targeted, such as food sources. Scorched earth, despite being a prohibited practice, is still commonly utilized by some militaries. Most countries have long since prohibited this practice, but the protocol only applies to those countries that have ratified it. Notable countries that have not ratified it, and thus still allow themselves to practice these scorched earth policies are the United States, Israel, Iran, and Pakistan. Does this fact come as any surprise? Let's dive deeper. From inside climate news, extreme weather batters America's farm country. The effects on agriculture, the report states, of more frequent and intense, quote, natural disasters, Could overwhelm the report, states, lenders destabilize the food supply and disrupt the global economy. And from earlier this year, a report from Bloomberg.com, world's food supply is getting slammed by drought, floods, and frost. Question, is the radically escalating weather and climate chaos just, quote, random acts of nature? Or is there much that official sources and their corporate media lapdogs don't do not dare tell populations on that note this breaking headline from brookings institute preparing the united states for security and governance in a geoengineering future for the record the term geoengineering is far too dignified the phrase climate disruption operations is much more fitting if you want to know more about what's coming on that front Stay tuned, and then there is this from CNN and other corporate media power structure puppets. Biden warns of winter of quote severe illness and death for unvaccinated due to Omicron. What do the global controllers have in store for us all? We'll soon enough find out. This is Dane Wigington, host of the commercial-free Global Alert News Hour, a weekly non-political report that addresses and connects the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. This is installment number 332 of the Bad News Broadcast, brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of global climate engineering operations. To learn what you never wanted to know about ongoing climate intervention operations, view the groundbreaking new documentary film, The Dimming, available on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for free. Much to cover in this broadcast. Let's press on. So about, quote, scorched earth as a military or controller strategy. Would the U.S. military historically engage in such practices? What do you think? And while pondering that, here's a few historical nuggets to consider, starting with this, quote, kill every buffalo you can, every buffalo dead, Is an Indian gone, end quote. Those were the words of a U.S. Army colonel in 1867. Eight years later, General Phil Sheridan went as far as to commission medals to reward anyone who brought pelts from the dead bisons. Let them kill, skin, and sell until the buffalo is exterminated. It is the only way to bring a lasting peace and allow civilization to advance, stated General Sherman. It is estimated that bison populations went from 60 million to 500. And though buffalo numbers have now increased to a degree, it is a minute fraction of the original populations. On the same theme, there's this quote from Theodore Roosevelt I don't go so far as to think that the only good Indians are the dead Indians. But, Roosevelt said, I believe nine out of every 10 are, end quote. Roosevelt said this during a January 1886 speech in New York. And then there is that nagging question of whether or not the U.S. military gave smallpox-infected blankets to the Native Americans. All official sources are now denying it, so it must not be true, right? You decide. Has the mentality of those at the top of the power pyramids changed? Why would it? And now, they, the controllers, are acutely aware of the fact that the planet's failing life support systems can no longer support the weight of the human race. If we consider the psychological profile of those that wield hegemonic power over populations, what should we, what must we consider that they are capable of carrying out now? When there's not enough to go around, the law of the jungle takes over. Welcome to the jungle. Let's cover some breaking reports. Let's start with recent updates on the COVID-19 scenario that Anthony Fauci, the highest paid federal employee of all, told us was going to happen all the way back in 2017. First headline, multiple sources. CDC pushes third shot for teens as number of deaths reported to VAERS vaccine adverse event recording system after COVID vaccines nears 20 000. From this report, VARES data released today by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention include a total of 946,463 reports of adverse events from all age groups following COVID vaccines, including 19,886 deaths and 150,946 serious injuries between December 14, 2020 and December 3, 2021. Ponder those statistics. No mainstream media source will breathe a word about any of this. The report continues. Of the 9,136 U.S. deaths reported as of December 3rd, 20% occurred within 24 hours of vaccination. 25% occurred within 48 hours of vaccination. The remaining mortalities occurred in people who experienced an onset of symptoms within 48 hours of being vaccinated. Another point from this report. VAERS data from December 14, 2020 to December 3rd, 2021 for 5 to 11-year-olds show this. 3,301 adverse events, including 58 rated as serious and 2 reported deaths. U.S. VAERS data from December 14, 2020 to December 3rd, 2021 for 12 to 17-year-olds show 24,359 adverse events, including 1,474 rated as serious and 33 reported deaths. There were 60 reports of anaphylaxis amongst 12- to 17-year-olds where the reaction was life-threatening and required treatment or resulted in death, with 96% of cases attributed to Pfizer's vaccine. There were 567 reports of myocarditis and pericarditis, that's heart inflammation, with 557 cases attributed to Pfizer's vaccine. There were 141 reports of blood clotting disorders with all cases attributed to Pfizer. The VAERS data from December 14, 2020 to December 3, 2021 for all age groups combined show this. 19% of deaths were related to cardiac disorders. 54% of those who died were male. 42% were female, and the remaining death reports did not include gender of the deceased. As of December 3rd, 2021, 4,538 pregnant women reported adverse events related to COVID vaccines, including 1,428 reports of miscarriage or premature birth. Of the 3,249 cases of Bell's palsy reported, 51% were attributed to Pfizer vaccinations, 41% to Moderna vaccinations, 8% to Johnson & Johnson. Continuing with the CDC data, Centers for Disease Control, from the VAERS website, the Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System, there were 784 reports of Julian Barr syndrome, with 42% of cases attributed to Pfizer, 29% to Moderna, and 27% to Johnson & Johnson. There were 2,100 and 84 reports of anaphylaxis, where the reaction was life-threatening and required treatment or resulted in death. There were 11,514 reports of blood clotting disorders. Of those, 5,112 reports were attributed to Pfizer, 4,101 reports to Moderna, and 2,249 reports to Johnson & Johnson. There were 3,333 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, with two thousand. And seventy-four cases attributed to Pfizer, 1,109 cases to Moderna, and 140 cases to Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Again, all the data that I just cited is from the CDC's own website, the VAERS website, Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System. No mainstream media is reporting on any of this, should that come as any surprise. Safe and effective, we are told. From westernjournal.com. Attorney states, entire family given COVID vaccine instead of flu shot. Two children now suffering heart issues. Walgreens is having a rough time on the public relations front, the report states, as incidents keep arising where they are allegedly mixing up flu shots with coronavirus vaccines. An attorney for Walgreens contacted the family after their appointment to admit the mistake. Walgreens then issued them all coronavirus vaccine cards. An attorney for the family stated that both children have seen a pediatric cardiologist and both children are exhibiting symptoms of heart problems. Let's dig deeper with this headline issued last week by multiple sources. Pfizer's history of fraud, corruption, and using Nigerian children as, quote, human guinea pigs. The report then asks, How did Pfizer manage to rebrand itself as the savior of humanity? Question mark. This is a long and very factually detailed report. There's not enough time to even begin to cover it in this on-air broadcast, but it is certainly recommended reading. Again, Pfizer's history of fraud, corruption, and using Nigerian children as, quote, human guinea pigs. Let's add this report to the mix from truth11.com and other sources. Medicare data shows 48,465 deaths over 80 within 14 days of CV19 vaccinations. This information was scrubbed. The deceased were counted as non-vaccinated. Question: How many COVID-19 official narratives have turned out to be totally false and have thus now been eliminated from the official narrative? Remember when we were told that CV19 stayed on surfaces for days and days? and would float through the air for 20 or 30 feet? Remember when vaccine development took the better part of 10 years, but suddenly there are dozens available at, quote, warp speed in only months? From anyone and everyone in the big pharma criminal cartel, literally dozens of them? And now consider this report from earlier this year from rarefoundation.com. Nobel Prize winner reveals COVID vaccine is, quote, creating variants, end quote. Professor Luc Montagnier said that epidemiologists know but are silent about the phenomenon known as antibody-dependent enhancement. That's ADE. Those with the courage to investigate, please do so. Read this report. You won't like what you find. From Robert F. Kennedy's website, The Defender, this, 16,000 physicians and scientists agree kids shouldn't get COVID vaccine. From that report, COVID vaccines are, quote, irreversible and potentially permanently damaging, end quote, which is why 16,000 physicians, the report states, and medical scientists around the world signed a declaration publicly declaring healthy children should not be vaccinated for COVID-19. Again, that statement on a public declaration from 16,000 physicians and medical scientists from all over the world. If it seems as if we're living in a planetary asylum, it's only because we are. It's imperative to remember and consider unfolding biosphere collapse is and will continue to be the bottom line factor fueling it all. Headlines on that front in a moment, but first this. From PubMed.com and the Lancet Scientific Journal, one of the most renowned medical journals in the world. This, COVID-19, stigmatizing the unvaccinated is not justified. Their statement, not mine. The Lancet report continues. In the USA and Germany, high-level officials have used the term, quote, pandemic of the unvaccinated, end quote, suggesting that people who have been vaccinated are not relevant in the epidemiology of COVID-19. The Lancet Journal report then states this. Officials who use this phrase might have encouraged scientists to claim that, quote, the unvaccinated threatened the vaccinated for COVID-19, end quote. But the Lancet states this view is far too simple. They continue. There is increasing evidence that vaccinated individuals continue to have a relevant role in transmission in Massachusetts United States, a total of 469 new CV-19 cases were detected during various events in July 2021, and 346 of these cases, 74%, were in people who were fully or partly vaccinated, 274 of the cases, 79%, of whom were symptomatic. With all that in mind, now consider this. Under the Reddit post of the same report, reddit.com, from the Lancet Medical Journal, they stated this, Reddited, if you talk about you, your mom, your friends, etc., experience with COVID or COVID symptoms or vaccine experiences or any information that pertains to you or their situation, you will be banned. So much for free speech. The power structure and all the media sources they control are doing everything they can to divide populations, to polarize populations, and to pit them against each other. To all those that are blindly and obediently pushing power structure narratives without a shred of honest investigation, please summon the courage to dig deeper, no matter how alarming and unpleasant the information is. From CitizensJournal.us and many other sources, delicensing doctors for, quote, harmful misinformation report states, In addition to being subjected to various forms of censorship, doctors are getting threat letters from licensure boards warning them against distributing, quote, harmful misinformation. Question, what exactly qualifies for what is officially called, quote, misinformation? Is it anything that doesn't conform with the official narratives? You decide. The report states, No patients need to have suffered any harm for the medical board to investigate a doctor. All it takes is an anonymous complaint. And there's this question. If healthcare professionals are working in fear of losing their licenses, are they likely to communicate freely and openly with their patients? Again, I'll leave it up to the listener to decide. Next, from many sources, including planettoday.com, Twitter to punish users who correctly claim that vaccinated individuals can still spread COVID-19. From the CDC's own website, let's back up that statement. This exact quote, Delta infection resulted in similarly high SARS-CoV-2 viral loads in vaccinated and unvaccinated people. Again, that is word for word from the CDC's own website. Better yet, let's hear the CDC's director, Rochelle Walensky, state this fact in her own words. Listen carefully to this interview audio excerpt of CDC Director Walensky, recorded on October 2nd, 2021. Here it is. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who might be immunosuppressed or a little bit frail, frail, somebody who has um, uh, comorbidities that put them at high risk, I would suggest you wear a mask in public indoor settings. There you have it, directly from the mouth of the CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. But it seems any who dare to state on Twitter what the CDC Director just stated will be, quote, punished. At the start of this broadcast, I cited this CNN headline. Quote, Biden warns of severe illness and death for unvaccinated due to Omicron. With that headline in mind, consider this breaking report from last week. This is from WebMD.com. Cornell University reports 930 COVID cases, including Omicron variant. From the report, Cornell University reported 930 new coronavirus cases among students and staff. That's December 7th through the 13th. The report then states, quote, A very high percentage of the cases were identified as the Omicron variant in fully vaccinated people. They then state in this report, again from WebMD.com, virtually every case of the Omicron variant to date has been found in fully vaccinated students, a portion of whom have also received a booster shot. That's a statement from Joel Molina, the vice president for university relations, again at Cornell University, and he made the statement to CNN. For the record, Cornell has a mandatory vaccination policy for all students. Question, how's that working out so far? You decide. From the New York Times and many other sources, big hospital chains drop vaccine mandates for healthcare workers. The report states major hospitals and healthcare systems have decided to drop the vaccine mandates to ease labor shortages. Here's a question. I wonder why so many healthcare professionals are so unwilling to roll up their sleeve and do what they're told. You decide while pondering that, here's a few Big Pharma fun facts to consider. Pfizer drug breach ends in biggest U.S. crime fine ever. That's from the UK Guardian. And this, GlaxoSmithKline's $3 billion settlement included the largest Civil False Claims Act settlement on record. And Pfizer's $2.3 billion settlement, including a record-breaking $1.3 billion criminal fine. These reports are the tip of the proverbial iceberg. So, Question Why are so many still so willing to so blindly trust Big Pharma and their power structure partners? Moving on, it is essential to always keep in mind the fact that no matter what challenges we face from a societal standpoint, when the planet can no longer support the web of life, it's game over. Switching gears to the bottom line factor that is fueling the exponential increase of insanity, biosphere collapse. And I'll get to breaking reports on the decimation of food supplies in a moment. But first, as mentioned at the start of this broadcast from the Brookings Institute, this preparing the United States for security and governance in a geoengineering future. From that report, imagine the following scenario. It is the year 2035. One large country dealing with major issues of global warming decides to take extreme action. The government begins secret deployment of geoengineering systems for pumping large amounts of reflective particles into the air, a technique designed to mimic the cooling effect of a volcanic eruption, the report states, only on a much larger scale and over a much longer time horizon. They continue with this. Although such behavior has been discouraged by the international community, research has continued, largely behind closed doors and without real regulation. Now that the climate situation has become more dire, the country has decided that it can no longer afford to wait. They see geoengineering as their only option. At first, the decision seems wise, as the increase in global temperatures starts to level off, but soon other types of anomalous weather begin to appear. Unexpected and severe drought hit countries around the world, disrupting agriculture, and the ozone layer begins to decay rapidly, exposing populations to harmful radiation. Global weather has become politicized. Delegates argue at the United Nations over new climate complications. They then state... Because this was a mock scenario, they're simply trying to point out the what-ifs, as if it's not already happening. They then state a scenario such as the one above remains unfortunately possible given the current state of global geoengineering policy. As the increasingly severe effects of global warming generate greater interest in geoengineering technologies, the United States must prepare itself for the risks and uncertainties that come along with their potential development. Think about all of this I just read. A supposed mock scenario much like the mock CV-19 scenarios that we had right before the event actually happened. But in this case, that's event 201, by the way. If you don't know what that is, Bill Gates staged event 201, a mock global COVID-19 pandemic scenario that was conducted immediately before the scenario actually occurred. If you don't know about that, please investigate it. But back to climate engineering, again, so-called academia, the Brooks Institute, pretending that we could, may, might geoengineer someday if we become desperate enough, as if these programs haven't been going on for 75 plus years already. Blatant, glaring, atmospheric spraying operations that anyone but the clinically blind can see. But denial is profoundly powerful, isn't it? Everything they state in this report that could, may, might happen if we someday geoengineer is already happening. Epic droughts, epic wildfires, unprecedented flooding, and... Severe UV radiation bombarding the surface of the planet. That metering proves, again, a former NASA contract engineer that works directly with geoengineeringwatch.org with equipment, we have supplied him, has long since conclusively confirmed that ozone layer collapse is indeed unfolding, and he continues to confirm with ongoing metering. Search geoengineeringwatch.org, ozone layer collapse, on a search engine other than Google because Google is doing everything they can to suppress our data, to suppress everything from geoengineeringwatch.org because they are part of the power structure matrix. And the power structure wants desperately to prevent populations from understanding the severity and immediacy of what's unfolding so that they don't panic. So the whole of academia in service of the power structure continues to pretend that climate engineering is only a proposal. Time to wake up. Climate intervention operations have long since been the crown jewel weapon of the global controllers, as I've stated over and over and over, and it should be increasingly apparent to any that are not asleep at the wheel. Climate intervention operations can be used to bring populations to their knees without those populations ever even knowing they were under assault. When crops are decimated by climate chaos, nature is blamed, or anthropogenic global warming alone is blamed. And though both factors are a part of the equation, what biggest of all piece of the puzzle is missing? Global climate engineering operations, a.k.a. geoengineering, a.k.a. stratospheric aerosol injection, solar radiation management, cloud albedo enhancement. These are the science terms for what's happening in our skies, but all of it ultimately amounts to weather warfare. When you intervene with Earth's life support systems, you get a very, very bad result How clear is that at this point? Let's press on with more headlines. From Stanford News. Climate of chaos. Stanford researchers show why heat may make weather less predictable. The report states a Stanford University study shows chaos reigns earlier in mid-latitude weather models as temperatures rise. The result, they say, climate change could be shifting the limits of weather predictability and pushing reliable 10-day forecasts out of reach again. The weather so-called forecasters are reading scripts. That's a given. We know Raytheon, private defense contractor Raytheon, up to their neck in climate engineering patents and operations. Does all the weather modeling for the National Weather Service and NOAA. I've been over this again and again. They passed the scheduled weather down all the way through the chain. And what do we see with the long-term forecast? They are all over the board, depending on who has the script and who doesn't i.e. the most updated script. And in regard to heat waves, what is essential to consider in this equation, again, there's no legitimate discussion about the climate from any perspective without first and foremost addressing the climate engineering issue, which includes the massively powerful radio frequency microwave transmission. So in regard to the heat domes, like the heat dome that pushed British Columbia up to 121 degrees last summer, that is directly related to ionosphere heater operations which science proves cause an electrical chain reaction in the ionosphere heating it to astoundingly high temperatures and can produce a heat dome pushing the atmosphere up and down the downward push is the heat dome that helps them to manipulate upper level wind currents that helps them to steer precipitation and thus manipulate weather steering the precipitation wherever they want it or need it for whatever operations they are inflicting on populations Next headline from phys.org, concurrent heat waves are seven times more frequent than the 1980s. From this report, multiple large heat waves the size of Mongolia occurred at the same time nearly every day during the warm seasons of the 2010s across the Northern Hemisphere. According to a study led by Washington State University researchers, the concurrent heat wave events also grew hotter and larger. Their intensity rose and their geographic extent increased. Heat waves can cause disasters from crop failures to wildfires. Concurrent heat waves can multiply those threats. Again, none of these discussions are valid. Not from Stanford, not from Washington State University. The omission of the climate engineering elephant in the equation makes these discussions invalid. You cannot have less rain and more overall drought on a rapidly warming planet. The laws of physics make this Clear. I've been over this again and again. Atmosphere holds 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. It must rain more overall on a warming planet. Unless there's a factor we're not being told about, that factor is climate engineering. And all of these warnings from all of these institutions are woefully inadequate because they don't address the single biggest part of the puzzle. Not the only part, but the single biggest part. Climate intervention operations. Moving on. Yet more December tornadoes from CNN and other sources. Intense storm spawns tornadoes, including first ever observed in Minnesota during December report states, in Minnesota, the National Weather Service office in the Twin Cities said there was a tornado observed. This is the first tornado ever reported in the state during the month of December, according to NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. More than 80 million people were under wind alerts from the storm, and over 35 million were under high wind warnings, including residents of Denver, Kansas, Omaha, Des Moines, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, and Chicago. The report then states at least nine wildfires are burning in northwest and western Oklahoma, according to the Oklahoma Emergency Management Public Information Office. In Texas, several hundred people have been told to evacuate or be prepared to evacuate due to wildfires. Again, all of this occurring at once. Total climate chaos. How's the climate chaos on the other side of the world? Fires first, then floods. Climate extremes batter Australia. That's the headline. Many of the same areas that suffered through the horrific bushfires in 2019 and 2020 are now dealing with prodigious rainfall that could leave some people stranded for weeks. The black summer bushfires of 2019 and 2020 were the worst in Australia's recorded history. Even in areas that did not burst into flames, the heat waves and lack of rainfall that preceded the bushfires killed as much as 60% of the trees in many regions. This year, many of the same areas that suffered through those epic blazes endured the wettest, coldest November Since at least 1900. And they they always try to state a former time frame as if it happened at some previous era to make people think, well, it must not be that bad if it happened before. Not true. This is the worst ever. And the records reflect that. Ecological collapse is unfolding and accelerating all over the world. No habitat. No humans. Climate intervention operations are core to the equation. Moving on from Newsweek. Dot com. Russia records biggest temperature contrast in the world since 1954. Again, they can manipulate previous records in any way they want to make it always seem that it happened before, so it can't be that bad. Even if the data doesn't really reflect that, we see data falsification happening right now. We see UV readings are completely falsified. They're completely fictitious. Same with official high temperatures, radically underreported. Constantly, continuously, it's far warmer on the planet already than we're being told. So whenever you see a headline like that, which I just read, a radical temperature variance in Russia, which I'll get to in a moment, but they claim it happened before, look at that very skeptically. So what was the temperature variance in Russia, just recorded? A variance of 153 degrees Fahrenheit within the borders of one country. From the high temperature in that country to the low temperature. 153 degrees Fahrenheit difference. It's been said that if we lose the Arctic, we lose the world. On that note, from Science.com last week, this headline, the Arctic is warming four times faster than the rest of the world. Remember in previous reports that certain academic agencies stated the Arctic is warming twice as fast, and I've stated over and over that's false. False. It's warming much faster, at least three times faster. Now we have confirmation that it's four times faster. The Science.com report then states, an important climatic indicator has been misreported by a factor of two. It's almost a mantra in climate science that the Arctic is warming twice as fast as the rest of the world, but that figure, found in scientific studies, advocacy reports, and the popular press, and even in the 2021 UN Climate Assessment, is incorrect. Obscuring the true toll of global warming in the Arctic. The researchers now say the Arctic is warming four times faster than the global average. Again, I'm commonly asked or told by people they don't know who to believe. Is the Arctic ice increasing or decreasing? That answer is so incredibly easy to uncover and not by believing me or anyone else. Believe what you see with your own eyes. View the film, Chasing Ice, non-political, film footage of the Arctic in total meltdown, time-lapse footage that is absolutely shocking to the marrow. And as bad as that footage is, as dire as that footage is, it's much, much worse now. Since that film was produced, it's much, much worse. And those in power are doing everything they can to mask what's unfolding in the Arctic because, again, as I stated a moment ago, if we lose the Arctic, we lose the world. And the climate engineers, in the attempt to mask what's happening in the Arctic from populations, is actually further fueling the overall process. Temporary toxic surface cooldowns at the cost of an even worse overall planetary meltdown. On that note from BBC.com, Arctic heat record is like Mediterranean, says UN. The highest temperature ever recorded in the Arctic, 38C, that's 100 degrees Fahrenheit, has been now officially confirmed sounding alarm bells over Earth's changing climate. 100 degrees in the Arctic should shock anyone. This is not global warming. This is not Earth's changing climate. This is climate collapse, abrupt climate collapse. That's what's unfolding. What we collectively face is far worse and far more immediate than any official agency, any corporate media source is willing to disclose, again, they don't want to panic populations. But if we don't know, if the public doesn't understand the severity of what's unfolding, what they're actually fighting for at this point, literally survival of anything on the planet, how are we to change course? And the climate engineers continue to do everything they can to confuse and divide the population on the true state of the climate. On that note, the climate engineering cabal was hard at it last week in Northern California, whipping up a winter weather event that they scheduled about... 10 days in advance. And no matter how much they were wrong on all the forecasts up to that point and how much they changed the forecast from day to day, it was going to rain, then it wasn't, then it was, and it wasn't. They never changed the day for the scheduled snow event. That always remained the same. And indeed, on the scheduled day, the frozen material did fall from the sky. And this is not a naturally nucleated material. It's, in many cases... Incredibly heavy, wet, concrete like snow that adheres to foliage, topples trees, cracks branches, and makes the trees like a sail. So, when the wind kicks up with the, the deteriorated root system on the trees, now there is so much windfall of trees. And we have all official agencies pretending that all of this is some natural process, they don't acknowledge that the contaminated rain is killing root systems, making the trees much less able to stand up to the wind, that this adhesive-like concrete snow that sticks to foliage makes the trees like, again, a giant sail, so that they fall over as soon as they're hit by the wind. I've documented this at geonjingwatch.org in the Into the Wild section, the decimation from the chemically nucleated material that's used to confuse and divide populations as to the true state of the climate. We had events last spring in Northern California in which we had 75 degrees one day, snow the next, and 75 the day after. We have instances recorded in other locations like Texas, Amarillo, Texas, where they had a temperature of 100 degrees May 1st, 2013, all-time record high, snowed the next day. We have instances in places like Denver I've cited over and over, they have on numerous occasions gone from all-time record high to even single digits in the course of a single day. This is not nature. This is chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. This is a primary aspect of the climate engineering arsenal that no one but geoengineeringwatch.org is trying to bring to light. Chemical ice nucleating operations are used to create winter weather mayhem. They create temperature whiplash scenarios. For example... In my location, Northern California, there is currently frozen slush on many of my ponds with pond water that's about 45 degrees. How does that happen exactly? This is not, again, a naturally nucleated material. We've seen the same thing in places like Boston when the Boston snows were so sensationalized in 2014, and they showed... And we captured images of Boston Harbor with frozen slush all over it with ocean water that was above 40 degrees. Seawater doesn't freeze till 28.4 degrees. How could there possibly be frozen slush in this water? Again, not a naturally nucleated material. And by creating these surface cooldowns, again, when you seed clouds with these endothermic reacting Chemical ice nucleating elements, you create a cold, dense layer of air that descends to the surface. That layer may only be a few hundred feet thick or less, but it creates the perception of a cold winter on a planet that's in total meltdown. But there's massive fluctuations between these events. The temperatures skyrocket once the moisture is gone, once there's full sun, and they can't continue with the operations any longer. The temperatures typically skyrocket, so we have the weather whiplash, yo-yo effect, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. I and geoengineeringwatch.org are asking for help to expose this core component of climate engineering operations. Please search and share the many reports in the Engineering Winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. On the same theme from sfgate.com, atmospheric river is a win for California, They state snowpack goes from 19% to 83% of average. And this is exactly the kind of headline the controllers need to calm California populations that were beginning to panic and perhaps beginning to suspect that something is going on in our skies and that they're not being told about it. The climate engineers require extraordinary amounts of moisture to carry out chemical ice nucleating operations because the endothermic reacting elements tend to dry up much of this moisture. That's why we see it associated with these atmospheric rivers in many places. And we're also seeing increased consistent wind in conjunction with these operations. And again, climate engineers can control to a large degree the wind flow on the surface by creating atmospheric pressure zones. The degree to which the climate is being manipulated at this point can scarcely be comprehended. Many are still mistakenly connecting distractionary so-called weather modification operations with the massive overlying climate intervention operations. They are not the same. Officially acknowledged so-called cloud seeding programs, which involve ground-based propane burning units and small propeller-driven aircraft, are all ultimately just red herrings designed to distract the public From what is by far the single most climate disruptive and destructive factor of all, climate intervention operations. As covered in the beginning of this broadcast, increasing weather mayhem is crushing food crops. Question, is this decimation of food production a part of the agenda at this point? Let's press on with more headlines. Last week from multiple sources, life-threatening weather wreaks havoc for 100 million people across the heartlands. Again. Second time in a week. At least 300,000 are without power after a dust storm barrels through Kansas, 107-mile-per-hour wind topples trailers in Colorado, and tornadoes touch the ground in six other states again. It came amid some record high temperatures just days after, as stated, dozens of powerful tornadoes swept through the area, flattening homes and businesses. About the tornadoes and their effect on food production. From Reuters.com. Chickens, tractors, grain silos destroyed by deadly U.S. tornadoes. Let's rewind to a report from earlier this year. From Bloomberg.com, wild weather plagues North American grain crops as demand surges. Unusual weather is contributing to volatility in crop markets. Next headline. This report is referring to the engineered winter weather assault on Texas that occurred earlier this year. Deep freeze decimates agricultural markets from grains to beef. And there's this report referring to the overall scenario in the U.S. as covered at the beginning of this broadcast from Inside Climate News. Extreme weather batters America's farm country. The effects on agriculture of more frequent and intense natural disasters could overwhelm lenders, destabilize the food supply, and disrupt the global economy. All of that seems to serve the global controllers quite well, doesn't it? There's no could, may, might. It's happening. It is happening. And again, the covert crown jewel weapon of the controllers, climate intervention operations, the weapon with which... They can bring populations to their knees without those populations ever even knowing they were under assault. On that note, this headline. Iran buying record volume of wheat due to record drought conditions. From an annual average of about 1 million tons during the last five years that they were importing, Iran now needs to buy a record 8 million tons of wheat The jump in Iranian wheat imports will coincide with high global grain prices, adding to pressure on the country's finances. In regard to Iran, I want to remind of what I've covered in previous broadcasts that immediately after 9 11, when NATO Supreme Commander General Wesley Clark was given the list of countries that were to be targeted, a list that clearly existed before 9 11 even occurred, Iran on that list. Every one of those countries subsequently underwent a once-in-1,000-year drought, cutting off their flow of precipitation, which destabilized food production, which then destabilized populations, making them much easier to manipulate. Same model. Look at the wider horizon. Plug this into the equation because it's part of it. From earlier this year, also, Forbes.com posted this. Shrinking global grain supplies have little hope of replenishment until 2022 or beyond, they say. The report states, as the global population and economy grows, so too does the use of grains. Supplies of three of the world's most important grains, corn, soybeans, and wheat, are shrinking And they claim somehow it's going to magically get better by 2022 or beyond? What could possibly make that happen when every aspect of Earth's life support systems are completely collapsing? Here's another recent report from Forbes.com. China's buying spree helps push corn futures to eight-year high price. China's record corn imports due to crop failures and inadequate state reserves have diminished available global corn supplies. The result has been a dramatic reduction in the USDA estimate of corn supplies here in the U.S. because they're selling it to China. Both the U.S., China, and countless other countries are very soon going to have empty shelves, and that's when the party is really going to get started. On that note of good cheer, from NASA.gov, in November of this year, one month ago, from so-called NASA's Earth Science News team. Global climate change impact on crops expected within 10 years, NASA study finds. As we should expect from the U.S. government disinformation source called NASA, their completely baseless estimation of crop yield impact being 10 years out flies in the face of dire climate-related crop failure realities that are radically worsening all over the globe. But the controllers know that a large percentage of the First World populations have long since become so clueless and complacent, so utterly and totally disconnected from reality, and even more so from nature, that if they think trouble is ten years out on the horizon, they couldn't care less. Costco still has frozen turkeys, Wally World is stocked up with cheap Chinese toys, and they can still pick up a Big Mac or a Whopper on the way home from their Christmas shopping spree. Modern, industrialized, militarized societies as a whole have long since abandoned any sense of responsibility toward the future, or lack of it, a future which completely depends on what we collectively do today, or don't do. Moral bankruptcy is an epidemic no one wants to talk about. Indigenous cultures understood that they were a part of a web of life, a web on which their lives completely and totally depended. How many know what the seventh generation principle is? Native Americans, specifically the Iroquois, practiced a philosophy that the decisions we make today should result in a sustainable world seven generations into the future. For the record, on our current course, humanity won't make the middle of this decade before total collapse, and that's being optimistic. And to all the sources and individuals that are still trying to convince themselves that With all the extra CO2 in the atmosphere, we'll have loads of food crops to consume. Think again, and please do some objective research. Atmospheric chemistry is radically changing. Climate intervention operations are a core component of that chemistry change, and worse, highly toxic contamination. Precipitation all over the world is now laced with highly toxic heavy metals, polymers, and surfactants. Many of these elements do horrific damage to soil microbial life, and root systems, causing a shutdown of nutrient uptake. Further, excess CO2 does the same. It reduces the overall nutrition of food crops because they are not adapted to the abrupt change in atmospheric chemistry. Please don't believe me. All I'm asking is to conduct objective research. But here's the bottom line. Biosphere collapse is here Now and accelerating by the day, crashing food supplies further augments the ability of power structures all over the world to manipulate and control their populations. Let's pause for a moment to remember the words of former U.S. President Lyndon Johnson. Quote, He who controls the weather controls the world. Video of him stating this for our on-air listeners at the beginning of every one of these broadcasts posted on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, the weekly global alert news broadcast. To translate what Johnson stated, i.e., he who controls the weather controls the food supply, thus controls the world. This being said, it's imperative to remember and consider that even if all human activity was halted today, including climate engineering, the damage already done to the planet's life support systems from countless sources of destructive human activity— cannot be undone in any time frame that matters. What we're fighting for now is to salvage any remaining part of the planet's life support systems so that a few might make it through what's coming. To give a time frame comparison of previous planetary mass extinctions, the PETM event, Paleocene-Eocene Thermal Maximum, 55 million years ago, had a post-event equilibrium period of 10 to 20 million years. What we face now is occurring hundreds of times faster than the Petum mass extinction. Thus, is far worse a scenario. This puts all of us in a very dark corner, to say the least. And even now, at this late hour, how many are blindly caught up in soon-to-be-meaningless distractions like the next round of elections or the price of gas? Such is life in the planetary asylum. None of those things will matter very soon. Wait and see. As I stated several times in this broadcast, if we lose the Arctic, we will likely lose the world. Escaping methane, hydrate, and clathrate deposits are core to that equation. Formerly frozen methane deposits in Arctic tundra and on the seafloor are thawing and releasing. As I've encouraged many times, please search Siberian methane craters and look at the images. They have to be seen to be believed. What we are falsely told by the so-called climate science community is that methane, once it enters the atmosphere from these escaping deposits, is 20 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. But this is very deceptive. That figure reflects a 100-year time horizon. Over a 10-year time horizon, methane is 120 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. Over a one-year time horizon, methane can be... Eight to nine hundred times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. As I've stated many times on this broadcast, the methane deposits in the Arctic alone are big enough if they escape into the atmosphere to turn this planet into Venus. We have sea surface temperatures off the coast of North America as high as 19 degrees Fahrenheit higher than the 1981 2011 average. It is inconceivable how much energy it took to do that already. And that energy, again, is thawing seafloor deposits of methane. Hydrogen sulfide typically releases with that. thus the rotten egg smell that floats into coastal cities. Hydrogen sulfide is heavier than air. It sits on the surface, and therefore it's detected. It can be smelled. Methane is lighter than air. It migrates into the atmosphere. Where it begins to cover the planet like a layer of glass. Letting heat in, but not out. The global controllers are utilizing climate engineering operations in the desperate and destructive attempt to mask unfolding biosphere collapse from populations while simultaneously using weather as a weapon. Both scenarios are further fueling the overall meltdown of the planet. So-called academia, the so-called climate science community, continues to deny all of it in order to preserve their paychecks, pensions, and reputations, none of which will matter on a soon-to-be-dead planet. As I've stated on this broadcast so many times... There is only one way forward in this all-important battle to turn the tide of insanity that's rising on every front. An army of the awakened. And this doesn't mean those who know but don't care and don't seem to feel any sense of responsibility to the whole or apparently even their own posterity. The truly awakened know that they are a part of something much bigger, a meaningful part, a necessary part. The truly awakened sense that it's no accident that they find themselves at this most critically important crossroad of not just human history, but indeed of human existence. The truly awakened know that they are here for a reason. They are here to make a difference. Each of us, all of us, matter in this equation. If we stand together, we may yet have a profound effect on the outcome of all that's unfolding. And though collapse of what was is inevitable at this point, We may yet be able to alter the composition of what's unfolding. We may yet be able to salvage some part of Earth's remaining life support systems, and that's worth fighting for with every fiber of our being. And whatever happens in the final act, there is unshakable solace in knowing that you have stood your ground against the gathering insanity, that you were one of those that refused to go silently into the night. We are still standing, and no matter how daunting the challenges we face, We are still in this fight. We are not yet beaten. All are needed in the effort to reach a critical mass of awareness. There is absolutely no time to spare. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn how you can help to turn the tide. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, stay safe, stay strong. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.